0: Talking about stuff, talking about things Talking about you, talking about me It's not a whole country And we are celebrating It is Canberra Canberra. Canberra. Conversations in the Capital Hello, my name is Henry Welcome to Canberra, Conversations in the Capital Today, inside the National Carillion Situated on Aspen Island in Lake Burley Griffin I am joined by music conductor Leonard Weiss Throughout this last decade, Leonard has completely invigorated the orchestral musical scene in Canberra. He has had a hand in essentially every major choir and orchestra in the nation's capital, bringing his passion of showcasing not just classical, but also contemporary works to the forefront of his repertoire. A multi-instrumentalist, Leonard's talents have led to tours around the world, including Germany and the United States, as well as awards both community and academia. Leonard, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Really well, thanks, Henry.
0: Wonderful. Well, in what has been... A personal highlight throughout these weeks of interviews. I'm currently sitting inside Canberra's Carillion and just got to witness you play this instrument. Tell me about your adventures with the Carillion. There's only a dozen or so players of it in this city. How did you get to start learning it? Just knock on the door and was like, hello, I want to I learn this instrument.
1: It was basically like that. I, oh, uh, genuinely. <laughs> well, really. I, I was in the last year of my undergrad at ANU um, when I started playing, so Um, when I was in the first year they had a composition competition in 2011 Mm -hmm. and I thought great I need you know people to write for I'll enter this sounds like fun you know learn an instrument that I don't know anything about Um, and I wrote to Lynn Fuller who is still our lead Kyrillianist Mm. and Lynn said this is great come and visit the instrument anytime so I was up here probably eight or ten hours over a few weeks just getting a, a handle of how it felt how it sounded um lynn played a bunch of my drafts and let me sort of explore my heart's desire and uh yeah then so my third year of the degree it just worked that i could take up a performance subject and i got into it thinking yeah this will be you know a weird thing to do for a year (laughs) Uh, but then 2014 they said yeah we've got this world congress in belgium Um, would you like to go to that i'm like yeah this sounds like fun i guess i'll go to belgium Uh, And then you get gigs and you just realize it's such uh, a really cool and unique way to start sharing music with the community. Um, Oh, absolutely. Like, you you mentioned
0: Belgium to begin with. Has the Carillion taken you other places as well? It has.
1: uh, Strangely, yes. It's one of those, (laughs) it's sort of a small uh, niche. So once you get into it, you just kind of end up meeting people. Uh, Probably the next really exciting trip I did was to America, uh, and toured around there, so I played at Princeton and Valley Forge wow. um, in Philly, and uh, yeah, just got to um, just got to tour around the East Coast of the US a little bit, and then back to Europe, uh, and even, you know, the teachers there are just, I mean, it's really the top of the field of yeah. the Caribbean, because it's kind of a, a small pool of people, but just the most incredible musicians, and so giving of their time to anyone who's interested in this field. Do
0: you have um, one of those, like... Like etch a sketch things, where every time you've gone to a carillon in the world, you just like marking like off. Like chip, yeah, chip frame chip your or something. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. uh,
1: not exactly. Thank goodness, because I played a few really nice new instruments, and I'm sure they'd be very disappointed <laughs> if I sort of carved my initials <laughs> in the back. Uh, but you definitely you get a sense of sort of what are the big instruments, and um, and those people are sort of keen to maintain connections with you and, and have you back. So oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: And I mentioned before that you are multi instrumentalist. Uh,
1: well, uh, yes. allowing yourself to flex a little bit right now. Which instruments do you play? Oh look, a a mix of things. I really (laughs) kind of have spent the past few years just saying I'm only a conductor and all I'm doing is conducting and not trying to play anything. Um, Actually over the past couple of weeks I've had two harp gigs playing Christmas carols and playing some new music. Um, That's been great, so I'm currently feeling it. My fingers are reminding me of all the practice I haven't done. Yeah. Uh, Getting up to speed on that again. Uh, So harp was really my main instrument. Um, It still probably is my main instrument, I think. Uh, But other than that, I picked up trumpet when I was fairly young and then sort of emigrated from trumpet to French horn and tuba and (laughs) low brass scene and... Yeah, bits and pieces of dabbling in other things, and I can fake my way through anything on piano, you know, with varying degrees of success. But um, mainly conducting, I think. Is <laughs>
0: thing. No, I, I, I don't think you need to be that humble with it. You've you've been a oh, harpist oh, well. for government functions, right? You've, you've I've, I've at, done at some cool Prime gigs. Minister.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, again, harp is a small scene. I think I'd, I've played sort of musical instruments of increase, increasing niche until I reach yeah. the <laughs> Um And that's about the end goal of nichism, I guess. It was just prerequisites. Uh, like, you can only get to the Karelian if you already have Totally. It's and... like three strange <laughs> things. Um, but harp, yeah, because it's kind of a small scene in Canberra, I've done some wonderful launches for um, events at the National Museum and the National Gallery, uh, and and for the Prime Minister. It was the, um, the visit of, I think, the Premier of China, sure. maybe? And uh, this was a few years ago, mm. and it became a whole ordeal of how do you get a harp into security and <laughs> the, into the Great Hall, and it's like, I don't know, 30 minutes of playing or something, and they say, can you arrive about four hours early so you can be screened and x-rayed, and the harp's going to be x-rayed, and you sort of sit there thinking, I hope this is all fine because it's full of metal and machinery to get all the levers and pedals to work so um, just, just in
0: case you're part of this elaborate heist and the exactly harp a super is super <laughs> niche heist
1: i'm like in it to steal a portrait and i'm mr banks or whatever his that's, name is so um, that's it that's exactly what i was going for but anyway it was with the harp and uh, then i just played and didn't steal the great tapestry room, so <laughs> that's it that's it it was just a regular day at the office in the end
0: <laughs> speaking of conducting though you've been incredibly involved within Canberra these last few years, musical director yeah. or conductor of let's like run down the list: National Capital Orchestra, Canberra Youth Orchestra, the Canberra Choir, the ANU Chorale Society. Throughout your times with these ensembles, I'm sure you've been, you've either been a part of what you've seen just that evolutionary process within each and yeah, their slow a bit slow growth. Of both. Yeah. Yeah. How absolutely.
1: is that? How, how is that all going right now? Like that Canberra classical music scene. I think 2020 is a funny year for a, that question, but I think at the moment there's such uh, a great surge of enthusiasm and and joy for people all around the community to reconnect with live arts Yeah. Uh, so that means a lot of people keen to either join groups into the new year or keen to go out and explore concerts And so different groups around Canberra are so keen to get back to music making and I know that um, the Canberra Youth Orchestra had a concert uh, a couple of days ago, the National Capital Orchestra has some cool plans in the works I hear for next year but otherwise it's just been Musicians coming together, um, just making music because they can and because that, you know, is fun for them to do. Uh, And that's really the most amazing thing when you get these experiences that people do because it's fun for them. And Mm -hmm. I think that is so much more powerful than saying, you know, I'm going to go and play a show because I'm rusted on this week. And it's sort of, you know, just rank and file. And I sit there and play and go. Um, but all these people in Canberra, and I, I really think Canberra has the largest uh, percentage by a long shot of community music, uh, musicians and music ensembles. Mm. So all of these people that are so passionate about getting out there and doing this because it's fun and because they really enjoy pushing themselves and making great music together. Um, and that's been just the most amazing thing to witness and to be a part of. Definitely. So we're passing a quarter of an hour right now with that, with those
0: bells going on behind us. Here they are. But uh, we'll, keep, we'll stay on that conducting train. Uh, you started conducting your own compositions in 2007, and yes. now you have a repertoire of over 200 major works. This this blew me away. I found the, the list just on oh, the, the site, and list. I just I just kept scrolling, and it just <laughs> I thought eventually, it would come, and it came to an end eventually. And we've got Canberra premieres in there. We've got Australian premieres in there, and especially in these last few years, we've got world premieres on that list since 2007, when you first did when you first did your own compositions. How has your conducting style grown throughout this
1: time? Oh, well, it, in 2007, I had literally no idea what I was doing. <laughs> you were just waving, you were just waving just a stick I was just waving around. a stick. You're it's just... the most sort of autopilot <laughs> robotic thing you've ever seen. And I don't look at the musicians, and I, I don't even turn the pages of my music. So <laughs> I just sort of glued to my one spot, and then I turned around, and I bowed, and I left very quickly. <laughs> and, uh, and that was a really great experience to be pushed to do. And um, after, I mean, I really, I was not the sort of person that would get up in front of people and, and do that sort of thing. And then uh, in 2011, with uh, the Maruki Community Orchestra, their conductor there was talking about playing some music, and he's a wonderful violinist. And I said, Oh, look, there's this piece I really like with violin, and maybe I could conduct. And he said, sure. So then I conducted the Lark Ascending, uh, also quite robotically, and and (laughs) sort of without any passion or control. But But uh, you were turning the pages this time. I was turning the pages, exactly. And the musicians trusted (laughs) me to to do that. So um, that was really very nice. And from there, it just spread to finding new ways to do that and realizing that uh, increasingly I found it to be such an interesting way of engaging with people and engaging with music because... It requires me thinking about how do I want the entire vision of this piece to sound, but then how do I want you know every 30 seconds to sound and every note to sound, and then sort of trying to inspire other people to play that technically, um, rather than me sitting in my room playing notes and scales and doing that for hours a day, which just wasn't really me. Uh, so that's been amazing, and especially the past year, studying and conducting with Marin Alsop in the U.S., it's just this... Um, this sort of funny rabbit hole where the more uh, deep you get into things, the more you realize there's so much you don't know. And then everything becomes about how do I communicate more clearly and more concisely and uh, in ways that are more interesting and tell a story that is not just playing a piece that people know in the way that people know it, um, but actually saying, you know, what does the composer want? What do I want? How am I going to make this interesting uh, and then you get into the sort of social politics of how do you run a rehearsal with 80 or or 200 people <laughs> in a way that's engaging for them and in a way that utilizes their skills and really pushes them to deliver their best rather than just, you know, plodding along and playing well because they're already good musicians. Yes. So uh, I've become more um, critical, more self-critical, but also more critical of, of watching others and I think being able to spot what for me is an interesting... Um, performance or an interesting idea uh, or other things that I would have done differently and that's very healthy too so
0: no definitely I think being critical is really good in the sense of wanting to improve absolutely
1: yeah and you learn to be very decisive because if um, say with National Capital Orchestra or or Canberra Youth Orchestra or Um, some of the choirs here would have uh, maybe a couple of months for the orchestras and some of the choirs would be four or six months for a show so you can spend a lot of time getting to know the piece and trying out different things and and the musicians are so generous for that Um, but then increasingly more um, you step in front of ensembles and uh, especially working with a choir you maybe put the orchestra in for the last two or three days almost sometimes so you have to walk in and be so direct about here is exactly what I want here is my idea, I've already got it pre-planned out, so let's, let's do this. Um, but then still being open to suggestions and saying, you know, always I think it's about listening to what people bring you.
0: Definitely, and I think you've done a brilliant job in that. And I feel like oh. others also agree because the list of your awards and accolades it's it's not as long as the as, as the list of the two hundred plus works I had I, I went to work through. <laughs> but yet, but it was <laughs> but there was there was a lot. The young Canberra Citizen of the Year finalist for ACT Young Australian of the Year, both in twenty sixteen, a Peabody Scholarship just three years later. Uh, not to mention the variety of grants and fellowships that you've been given. You've literally been referred to by CD News as Canberra's ubiquitous Mr. Music, which, you know, no pressure or anything. No for pressure. The entirety of a field. Um, there must already be so many highlights and memorable moments throughout your career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's. You, you're now going to say pick a few of them. Uh, yes. The short sure answer is yes. Yes, there are <laughs> highlights and they're exciting and you can imagine. Uh, some really look highlights across the board Um, a lot of the time it's to do with uh, guest composers or guest soloists Um, one because it is a challenge for me to then rise to their standard Um, but also they inspire so much in the musicians um, that we're working with Uh, but some amazing projects across the board in uh, 2017 was the 50th year of the canberra youth orchestra and we Mm -hmm. just went sort of all out on this most incredible 50th year program that started off with the idea of North and a very contemporary program. Uh, and then we finished the year with James Morrison and another very contemporary jazzy program. Definitely. Um, and these are artists that are just some of the biggest names in in Australian uh, music, and not just classical music, but sort of across the sort of multi-genre, multi-disciplinary oh, field. Absolutely. James Morrison, he, correct
0: me if I'm wrong here, but he was a large part of that 2000s uh, Olympics opening ceremony.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, uh, oh, I think it's been a large part of just about anything in music in the past, <laughs> yeah. you know, thirty or forty years. Um, he's just incredible, and so that was that was an amazing year. Um, uh, at the same time, we did a, a concert with the A New Choral Society, which mm-hmm. was um, Haydn's creation, uh, and there have been a few other pieces where. You sort of think, oh, this piece is fine. And just the more you do it, you think, gee, this music is so cool. There's just, <laughs> just always more to discover. And I love getting into, I mean, it, there's always more to discover in every piece. But just, you know, coming back week after week, rehearsing, thinking, gee, this music is so beautifully <laughs> crafted. Yeah. And there's something so interesting in it. Um, um, but then it's been, yeah, things across the board. National Capital Orchestra, we've done a lot with new composers yeah. um, and a lot of world premieres by a whole bunch of Australian composers. Um, through from sort of Carl Vine and uh, Christopher Gordon, who are some of the foremost uh, Australian composer names, mm-hmm. down to student works and just promoting musicians within the ACT, uh, which I think is so important. And these are musicians who will give so much of themselves and their time. Um, yeah, and then there's Canberra Choir with like a whole theatre works and <laughs> doing sort of two hour shows all from memory and with stage directions and everything. I mean, it was just... Yeah, everything's a real adventure. And then increasingly, I mean, amazing times overseas, but then um, a couple of years ago, I I co-founded the Canberra Sinfonio, and that's been one of the more um, challenging things that I've done, not logistically, but uh, the idea is it's all musicians that are kind of in a similar spot to me, sort of getting into um, professional music, and many of them playing professionally um, increasingly more and more. And then you have to be so open uh in the rehearsal and so honest and transparent because these are all people that i'm friends with and all people (laughs) that i want to keep roping back in for gigs to you know basically give their time for almost no money and just come and make some music and um that's it's one thing i think to be trusted by by adults uh especially when i started with with national capital orchestra or Mm. canberra youth orchestra i was 23 uh 22 23 Um, so that's amazing when you've got musicians who have literally double my life experience (laughs) worth of musical experience Um, you know to have them trust me with things but it's I think almost more humbling to have people who have been through the same the same kind of experiences as me and in the same vein of life to then say yeah we'll give up you know a whole week or more of a whole bunch of evenings to come and do this and we'll trust you and we'll give you input as well no definitely yeah. uh, so so much already that's um that's just really exciting <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: on on that note of the camera symphonia
1: i think you mentioned uh, you co-founded this mm-hmm. currently the
0: artistic director for it uh it's it's a semi-professional musical ensemble which I'm assuming it implies that you have a mix of amateur and professional musicians in it yeah or?
1: pretty much everyone is basically at the stage where they are graduating from youth music and and they've done their time in in canberra youth orchestra and yeah. so on so a lot of musicians that i had started with there in, in 2015 2016 um, that are then out getting professional gigs whether that be with canberra symphony or a lot of freelance or teaching or, or classroom music or just a whole mix of experiences or getting booked for music theatre and, and other shows like that. Um, so these people that are really, yeah, out there, happy to volunteer their time, but but also many of them, you know, getting paid professional rates as well. Um, so the idea of semi-professional is we're not out there paying professional rates. That would be really <laughs> great. And if any sponsors want to join in, then please do. Uh, but mainly just getting out there, really trying to put on music of a, a fully professional standard um, and and having that as our goal for the ensemble and and for all the musicians as well. Oh definitely.
0: So throughout the years, Leonard Wace would not be Leonard Wace without a mix of influences and mentors. Who has your conducting and performance styles been heavily impacted by? You mentioned some before, but here's, here's your chance to shout out all the folks oh, that all got you here. Uh,
1: a few big names. Uh, going back from where I am now, of course, studying uh, at Peabody with Marin Alsop was just incredible. She's mm. one of the foremost conductors and conducting teachers anywhere in the world and uh, expects everyone to work at such a high standard, which is exactly what you want yeah. and just inspires so much in her connection with the with pieces and with major musicians so that's been uh, totally life-changing um before that i had two amazing years uh, in the summer masterclass which we call the australian conducting academy run mm-hmm. by the tasmanian symphony with johannes Fritsch, who mm-hmm. has been principal conductor in queensland for a few years and before that worked in germany for most of his life cool and johannes it's this very sort of elegant refined technique nothing sort of overstated or overdone and that was so grounding. I mean, I just remember showing up there and you sort of think, oh, that's how you're meant to do these things. That's how to communicate any time you stop or you need to give more time or you just, you know, how to let the musicians take time but still telling them like, okay, we're moving on now.
0: You were still just in your, I stand there, I just wave exactly, by. you stand there so and wave you the know, stick and you're your wow, Well, You can't just
1: stand there and wave the stick and sort of go, aha, <laughs> you know, I should do more than that. So that was so eye-opening. Uh, and before, my, really my first conducting teacher was Richard Gill, who is mm. just this major uh, Australian music icon. And I think almost every Australian classical musician has studied with Richard or had a concert with Richard or done masterclasses or whatever. And that was just incredible in him taking the time for um, answering a phone call from some random guy who was <laughs> 21 or 22 or something. Wow. and. Just saying, yeah, we can have a few lessons, you know, come up to Sydney and, yeah, let's look at how to navigate your way through some of these major pieces. Oh, uh, so I did Sidon's Creation with him and a and Burana with him. And I remember the very first lesson, it was the uh, my first uh, concert at the start of 2016 with the Canberra Youth Orchestra, and we were doing Tchaikovsky Symphony No. 6, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of opera arias with Louise Page, who's the most wonderful singer and supporter in Canberra. Mm-hmm. And... I went to Richard and I said, oh, yeah, you know, so I really want to look at the Tchaikovsky because the arias just play themselves. And he said, have you done much opera before? And I said, no, 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 but it'll be totally fine. (laughs) He said, "Okay, well, let's just start with this opera stuff, just in case. And we spent two hours on opera and did not get to the Tchaikovsky at all. And uh, now I'm looking back thinking, yes, I realize how much I still don't know about this genre and how much he... uh, had tried very politely to divert me by saying you should really let's just finesse some of these you know technical elements and i thought ah yes good yeah uh so those are probably the big three
0: definitely that's that's really wonderful i think uh i was chatting with han worsley a few episodes ago and mm-hmm. she mentioned the, the importance of mentors and influencers and definitely i think you'd, no one would be where they are right now without that and that's so yeah, important. absolutely now looking forward uh, fantasizing for it maybe yes. it's, a, it's a question about a dream performance if you could conduct an ensemble anywhere where which piece of music and which big names would feature oh, this is such a good
1: question you know, a lot of people turn around and they say, oh, like the London Symphony Orchestra is fantastic <laughs> these days. Or, you know, the Berlin Philharmonica and these are amazing orchestras. Or You get the Royal Concertgebouw in Amsterdam or something. Um, but realistically, Australia has some amazing orchestras and the most incredible musicians working at such a high standard. And I know every international conductor that I've spoken to that's come to Australia Always tells me how impressed they are. How how impressed they are. How impressed they are by working am. with and am <laughs> <Sometimes>. how impressed <laughs> I am with them uh, working with our our musicians here. So, you know, I think if I was looking at a goal within the next um, couple of years, it would really be stepping in front of, of one of our big uh, orchestras in Australia, and and doing a whole program with them. Um, I've listened to Sydney Symphony a lot, uh, and Melbourne and Queensland, and of course done a few masterclasses with Tasmania. So those are the orchestras I I know a bit better and have just so much time for those musicians. So literally any one of those would be (laughs) incredible. Um, All of them in the same room. All of them in the same room, like (laughs) a mega orchestra. You'll have five
0: first (laughs) violinists. Exactly, and just goes and
1: goes and goes, you know, um, huge sound. Uh, Dream Peace... I don't know. There, are, I always give weird answers for dream pieces because I try to not do this sort of standard rep. Um, sure. There, one of the pieces I love to do uh, by an Australian composer is the Requiem by uh, Nigel Westlake. Okay. Um, and he, it, it's sort of a conglomeration of music that he was writing for projects that um, that then got put on hold and fell through, and then um, his son uh, tragically died when he was twenty-two, mm. I think. Nigel couldn't do anything for i think it was 18 months and then he sort of resurrected the project he was working on before that and wrote the most beautiful requiem that is this amazing mix of sort of personal emotion and quasi film score and it's just beautiful and it requires a a huge bunch of people that would be really amazing if you have Um, five first finalists oh 20 first (laughs) going. (laughs) um, but that's that's an amazing piece uh otherwise Yeah, I don't know. I anything. I I keep thinking that anything at this stage of my life is so exciting. You know, just being offered the chance to look at anything that's new, or or having the chance to revisit anything that I've done before and look at new ways to find things in a piece that I didn't spot last time and communicate that with musicians. Definitely. Uh, So yeah, I don't know. Anything, everything.
0: I really admire the passion you have for contemporary works like that because I think a lot of people associate if they see like a classical symphony orchestra they associate that with okay we're we're looking at the classical musicians we're looking at Beethoven Bach all that but the fact that you're really pushing for music now coming out is
1: I really try. You know, I went through and and did my undergrad in composition and when you go through learning about contemporary music, what it means is you study all the really weird out there stuff, (laughs) which no one listens to more than once and no one programs and no one goes to. And that really turns a whole bunch of people off new music and and unfortunately you do get some um, programs that can be very interesting but somehow still alienating. Mm. Um, So I'm trying to find always what is, even if the piece is... Um, not uh, not super melodic or you know, whatever it is. Still try to find ways to make that approachable for musicians and for audiences. And I think that uh, the language that we're seeing coming out from so many contemporary composers that I've worked with is is unique and it offers a really a new, interesting way of thinking about things. And it's it's all well and good to pick uh, big name composers of the past and say how can we look at um, adapting our current world view to look at you know what did Bach mean by his mass in B minor or something, or sure. you know how do we relate to this piece now? But the reality is those people aren't living through what we're living through. I think there's something very powerful and immediate about contacting composers who are still alive and will come to work with musicians in rehearsals and who I can phone up saying, hey, what do you mean by this thing? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, and it doesn't mean that every single thing uh, should be like that, but... I mean, you go back to the the time of Beethoven and Bach and uh, and some of these really big figures, and it's not to say they didn't play uh, music that had been written previously, but so much of the musical canon was being written at that time and was being premiered, and everything yeah. was new and yeah. So then then people got really hooked on Beethoven and Haydn, and then you know <laughs> kind of dwindles into the twentieth century. But uh, I mean, even early. A century ago, you look at composers like um, Rachmaninoff and I think it was Stravinsky who died with still four or five years worth of commissions mm. un- unfulfilled because wow. it was just everything was, we want new music. Yeah. Um, and then it got very expensive to have new music. And <laughs> yeah. so here we are. So, uh, yeah, trying That's to make it work. fair
0: enough. Let's, let's chat about COVID. Yes. We, we mentioned yeah. before, live music is certainly one of those elements which has been greatly affected by this pandemic. How has 2020 affected your movements and what have you been up to
1: instead? Ah, Well, this time I guess five months ago I was in the States and this time nine months ago I was in the States and studying. Uh, so <laughs> the most immediate effect is I've taken some time off from my master's degree to uh, come back to Australia. I feel very He's safe and try and do as many things here as I can uh, and that's really wonderful because well, one, because Australia is so safe and people are so responsible, mm. um, but also because everyone gets it and people understand there's hardship and everyone's trying to look out for everyone else saying, what can we do to create opportunities and to to make things new and exciting and interesting and, and engaging and so on. Um, so that's been, been really amazing. Um, but broadly speaking, I think it's been a very interesting time to reflect on what it is to be... Uh, human and what it is to be an artist and look at how am I contributing so thinking about you know March 20th when we uh, I think in Australia we were probably shut down by then in the US we shut down on the 12th of March I think Hmm. and you know there's nothing much I can do especially conducting you sort of need a lot of people to make any great (laughs) impact Um, so there's nothing I could do from my bedroom you know live streaming like a I don't know support group for musicians or something (laughs) it's just you know that's not going to solve the problem of you know the 15th of March when everyone's stuck uh, at home Um, but then it's looking at ways to still communicate and, and just trying to find ways to bring people together and luckily that's becoming increasingly possible in person which is really amazing but I think there's also been a a really incredible wealth of online content that has offered people ways of of thinking that aren't necessarily gathering in person and looking at all of these incredible shows that are on um, and other live streams that have been sort of put on of previous performances and archival material and all of this stuff being unearthed and it's opened a lot more I think channels for communication so um, even in the states we we spent months reaching out to every conductor sort of any any big name musician and you can say hi I bet you're not doing much at the moment I'd love to chat with you um would that be fine you know I'm free anytime and then I'll reply in about 10 minutes going like yeah my schedule is so empty you would not believe we can talk about whatever subjects you feel like not sure I'll be of any help because we can't do anything but um, that was so interesting just finding ways to engage with those people you can keep learning about opera again exactly <laughs> <laughs> I did I had a few master classes e master classes on uh, on opera and you're sort of like wow this is hard without singers and a piano <laughs> um, yeah so then uh, that's kind of been the past few months and now it's really just trying to um, think about how I can um, keep learning and keep connecting with people and keep pushing myself and uh, yeah and making exciting things happen, and and also back here making opportunities for other people to perform as well, because everyone is so hungry to get out there and uh, do these things together. No, definitely. I think it's 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 great to have you back, here,
0: you know, and thank you. And, great to be back. And we, I, I'm sure like the, the music community knows that you you will eventually. Go away again and you'll and be sad but it's but it's but it's always really nice to know that you considered this place home and that you always be back yeah, definitely. And, and, and and the music will continue. This 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 ride you're on, it's it's let's say mildly halted right now, but it is it is not even close to finishing. What does the future hold for Leonard? And also what do you hope it may hold?
1: Goodness. Uh, I hope it'll hold lots of things uh, yeah. I think at the moment it's really 2021 planning and looking at what opportunities I can create mainly in Canberra in fact with the Canberra Symphonia um, being the main ensemble that I'm, I'm still directing and mm. where people have all these ideas and even last week one of my musicians came up to me and said what if we did this piece next year it's like great let's schedule another concert I can't do that because next year is already so busy but I could plan another concert uh, so things like that and um, conducting a friend's wedding in Sydney uh, which is, is going to be a lot of fun and otherwise just trying to make the most of everything that I can uh, the Queensland Symphony are very kindly getting me up there for a few weeks to assist and uh hopefully get to know the orchestra a bit more there and uh otherwise spending lots of time listening to the Sydney Symphony and observing and, and assisting there um when the opportunities come up to do that so really I think the next year is just trying to learn as much as I can um about music at at these top professional levels mm. and trying to impart as much of that as I can as well here yeah. uh, other than that I should get back on you know learning more about opera and learning more <laughs> you know, languages and all that Uh, And then into the future, who knows, hopefully at some point back to the US to finish this degree off, and uh, maybe over to Europe where things are exciting. But uh, I think it's so important to maintain connections with Australia, and and certainly the mentors that I've had um, in Australia have been of such high standard and of such, um, such generously giving of their time to be able to continue to inspire that. And there's something so incredible watching these these top Australian artists continuing to perform here and you know they can go off and earn a big name overseas but then then coming back I think is so important so uh, I think that's the ideal plan for me for now definitely
0: well to finish off my friend the floor is yours is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners
1: Oh just a huge thank you for everyone who who gets out there and supports live arts in any way and uh, for everyone you know tuning in to say thanks for being a part of this journey with us.
0: Leonard, this has been an absolutely splendid time. Likewise, Henry. Thank you. My name is Henry from the National Carillion in Canberra. This has been Conversations in the Capital. Stay safe, be kind, we'll see you all soon.